story with me Love who you want to be, who you are Learn these lessons and we'll go far It's story time Story time Story time with Mama G Hello everybody and welcome to Story Time with Mama G The Podcast I am ever so excited that you can join me this week for the final chapter of The Canterville Ghost by Oscar Wilde. It's a very lovely chapter, actually, so I'm very excited to share it with all of you. But before we go any further, don't forget that you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You just need to search for at Stories. But I tell you what, shall we not delay the inevitable any longer? Let's find out what happens in the final chapter. So this is Chapter 7 of The Canterville Ghost by Oscar Wilde. days after those curious incidents, a funeral started from Canterville Chase at about eleven o'clock at night. The hearse was drawn by eight black horses, each of which carried on its head a great tuft of nodding ostrich plumes, and the leaden coffin was covered by a rich purple pall, on which was embroidered in gold the Canterville coat of arms. By the side of the hearse and the coaches walked the servants with lighted torches, and the whole procession was wonderfully impressive. Lord Canterville was the chief mourner, having come up specially from Wales to attend the funeral, and sat in the first carriage along with little Virginia. Then came the United States minister and his wife, then Washington and the three boys, and in the last carriage was Mrs. Umney. It was generally felt that, as she had been frightened by the ghost for more than fifty years of her life, she had a right to see the last of him. A deep grave had been dug in the corner of the churchyard, just under the old yew tree, and the service was read in the most impressive manner by the Reverend Augustus Dampier. When the ceremony was over, the servants, according to an old custom observed in the Canterville family, extinguished their torches, and, as the coffin was being lowered into the grave, Virginia stepped forward and laid on it a large cross made of white and pink almond blossoms. As she did so, the moon came out from behind a cloud and flooded with its silent silver the little churchyard, and from a distant copse a nightingale began to sing. She thought of the ghost description of the Garden of Death. Her eyes became dim with tears and she hardly spoke a word during the drive home. The next morning, before Lord Canterville went up to town, Mr Otis had an interview with him on the subject of the jewels the ghost had given to Virginia. They were perfectly magnificent, especially a certain ruby necklace with old Venetian setting, which was really a superb specimen of sixteenth-century work, and their value was so great that Mr Otis felt considerable scruples about allowing his daughter to accept them. My lord, 
he said. I know that in this country Mortmain is held to apply to trinkets as well as to land, and it is quite clear to me that these jewels are, or should be, heirlooms in your family. I must beg you accordingly to take them to London with you and to regard them simply as a portion of your property which has been restored to you under certain strange conditions. As for my daughter, she is merely a child and has as yet, I am glad to say, but little interest in such appurtenances of idle luxury. I am also informed by Mrs. Otis, who I may say is no mean authority upon art, having had the privilege of spending several winters in Boston when she was a girl, that these gems are of great monetary worth, and if offered for sale, would fetch a tall price. Under these circumstances, Lord Canterville, I feel sure that you will recognize how impossible it would be for me to allow them to remain in the possession of any member of my family. And, indeed, all such vain gauds and toys, however suitable or necessary to the dignity of the British aristocracy, would be completely out of place among those who have been brought up on the, the severe and, I believe, immortal principles of republican simplicity. Perhaps I should mention that Virginia is very anxious that you should allow her to retain the box as a memento of your unfortunate but misguided ancestor. As it is extremely old, and consequently a good deal out of repair, you may perhaps think fit to comply with her request. For my own part, I confess, I am a good deal surprised to find a child of mine expressing sympathy with medievalism in any form, and can only account for it by the fact that Virginia was born in one of your London suburbs shortly after Mrs. Otis had returned from a trip to Athens. Lord Canterville listened very gravely to the worthy minister's speech, pulling his grey moustache now and then to hide an involuntary smile. And when Mr. Otis had ended, he shook him cordially by the hand and said, My dear sir, your charming little daughter rendered my unlucky ancestor, Sir Simon, a very important service. And I and my family are much indebted to her for her marvellous courage and pluck. The jewels are clearly hers, and, egad, I believe that if I were heartless enough to take them from her, the wicked old fellow would be out of his grave in a fortnight, leading me the devil of a life. As for their being heirlooms, nothing is an heirloom that is not so mentioned in a will or legal document, and the existence of these jewels has been quite unknown. I assure you, I have no more claim on them than your butler. And when Miss Virginia grows up, I dare say she will be pleased to have pretty things to wear. Besides, you forget, Mr. Otis, that you took the furniture and the ghost at a valuation, and anything that belonged to the ghost passed at once into your possession, as whatever activity Sir Simon may have shown in the corridor at night, in point of law, he was really dead, and you acquired his property by purchase. Mr. Otis was a good deal distressed at Lord Canterville's refusal and begged him to reconsider his decision, but the good-natured peer was quite firm and finally induced the minister to allow his daughter to retain the present the ghost had given her. And when, in the spring of 1890, the young Duchess of Cheshire was presented at the Queen's first drawing-room on the occasion of her marriage, 
Her jewels were the universal theme of admiration. For Virginia received the coronet, which is the reward of all good little American girls, and was married to her boy lover as soon as he came of age. They were both so charming, and they loved each other so much, that everyone was delighted at the match, except the old Marchioness of Dumbleton, who had tried to catch the Duke for one of her seven unmarried daughters, and had given no less than three expensive dinner parties for that purpose. And, strange to say, Mr. Otis himself. Mr. Otis was extremely fond of the young Duke personally, but theoretically he objected to titles and, to use his own words, was not without apprehension lest, amid the enervating influences of a pleasure-loving aristocracy, the true principles of republican simplicity should be forgotten. His objections, however, were completely overruled, and I believe that when he walked up the aisle of St. George's Hanover Square with his daughter leaning on his arm, there was not a prouder man in the whole length and breadth of England. The Duke and Duchess, after the honeymoon was over, went down to Canterville Chase, and on the day after their arrival, they walked over in the afternoon to the lonely churchyard by the pine woods. There had been a great deal of difficulty at first about the inscription on Sir Simon's tombstone, but finally it had been decided to engrave on it simply the initials of the old gentleman's name and the verse from the library window. The Duchess had brought with her some lovely roses, which she strewed upon the grave, and after they had stood by it for some time, they strolled into the ruined chancel of the old abbey. There the Duchess sat down on a fallen pillar, while her husband lay at her feet smoking a cigarette and looking up at her beautiful eyes. Suddenly he threw his cigarette away, took hold of her hand and said to her, Virginia, a wife should have no secrets from her husband. Dear Cecil, I have no secrets from you. Yes, you have, he answered, smiling. You have never told me what happened to you when you were locked up with the ghost. I have never told anyone, Cecil, said Virginia gravely. I know that. But you might tell me. Please don't ask me, Cecil. I cannot tell you. Poor Sir Simon. I owe him a great deal. Yes, don't laugh, Cecil. I really do. He made me see what life is and what death signifies and why love is stronger than both. The Duke rose and kissed his wife lovingly. You can have your secret as long as I have your heart, he murmured. You have always had that, Cecil. And you will tell our children some day, won't you? Virginia blushed. Oh, 
isn't that lovely? There we have it. The end of the story. Well, thank you so much to everyone who's listened to every single chapter. If you have bizarrely come to this podcast for the final chapter but haven't listened to the previous six, don't worry. You can go back uh, through my episodes and find uh, the first six chapters of the story. Or on Monday, if you'd like to hear it all together, I'm going to put them all together in a package into a bonus episode which will be all seven chapters of The Canterville Ghost, so you can listen to them like an audiobook. And I won't even interrupt. It will just be me telling the story. And the fun thing about that is you'll be able to see how my accent changes from week to week in terms of which character I'm doing voices for. I'm sure it is not consistent in the slightest, and I probably could have been ever so slightly better prepared for that but I think it would be fun to listen to. So that will be coming out on Monday. And then next week, I'll be telling one of my own stories. I might tell one of my own stories for a, for a few weeks, actually. And I think I've got some people I'd like to interview, some people I'd like to chat to. So we might do a few interview podcasts as well. And then I think we'll, we'll try another classic children's book. But I, I need some ideas about what classic children's book you'd like me to read. Now, I say classic because they need to be in the public domain. Now, the way that a book gets in the public domain, which means that it doesn't have any copyright on it anymore, is the author, I believe, needs to have died 75 years ago. I think that's the case. So that's why we're looking at classic books. So we're probably looking at your, well, not The Borrowers, actually. I was thinking about The Borrowers, but Mary Nesbitt, who wrote The Borrowers and also wrote Bedknobs and Broomsticks, she didn't die until, like, the 1980s, so she's out. And um, anyway, probably something from the Victorian period. So do let me know if you've got any ideas about what you would like me to read. But now I am going to suggest to you a book that I think you should read, because it is time for the Book of the Week. Now, the book of the week is called My World, McKeely and Seaver's Switcheroo. And it is written and illustrated by Leanne Armstrong. Now, this is a rather lovely book about a couple of aliens and they live in very different worlds. McKeely lives in a world that's all monochrome, and Siva lives in a world that is all bright colours. But each one of them has been hiding something about themselves that doesn't fit in with the world they live in. And they find each other by an opening in a rock that introduces them to the other world and they swap around and they find that they fit in in the other world because of this little thing that makes them different but what it does do is it helps them appreciate the world they live in because it helps them be proud of who they are and it helps them find their place in the world in which they belong. It's a very 
beautiful and charming book. And one of the things I really like about it is it's written in what prose, which is words that don't rhyme. But then when the characters are talking, it rhymes and the rhyming is very good. And you know, rhyming is very difficult to get right, actually. Um, and I think it's a wonderful book in the way that it celebrates diversity and also the way that we're all actually the same because we're all different and our differences are a weird sort of conformity and it's marvellous. I absolutely love it. Uh, you can get it on Amazon.co.uk and I'm sure on .com and .it and .de and whatever the other dots are. Uh, it's available in Kindle form or you can buy a, a paperback copy and I would very much recommend that you take a look at it. Uh, also, I would recommend that you go to Leanne Armstrong's Instagram, which is Leanne, L-E-A-N-N-E underscore creative because Leanne is indeed ever so creative. She's an illustrator, graphic designer and author and she's got a range of greeting cards and gift designs on her Instagram. Uh, I see she's got bookmarks, phone covers, uh, lots of wonderful cards, all sorts of things, and they're all um, beautiful and empowering and statements. And it's really wonderful. And it's always amazing to support small businesses as well. So do go and look up Leanne underscore creative on Instagram and then look up her book, My World, McKilly and Siva's Big Switcheroo on Amazon and uh, you'll be doing something wonderful and also supporting an entrepreneur which is marvellous. Well, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Storytime with Mama G. Don't forget, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for at Mama G Stories. And don't forget to look out for the omnibus edition of The Canterville Ghost, all seven chapters, all in one episode, coming out on Monday. Now, before we go, I've just remembered something. Uh, it's that one of my episodes last year was called The Second Black Queen of England and it was about Queen Charlotte who was a genuine Queen of England and is believed to have been black and I don't know if any of you have seen Bridgerton recently where it's a new program on Netflix and it's very good but it's got Queen Charlotte in it and she is black and I was so excited and, and Bridgerton in fact is a a wonderful series an incredibly diverse series it rewrites history but also adheres to history. It's very interesting. It's very clever. It's certainly not for younger viewers, um, but if you're an adult, you will probably enjoy it very much. Um, also, I'll, oh, I'll, I was going to say something else. I forget what I was going to say. Oh, also, I remember what I was going to say. Take a look at my Facebook Live from Wednesday, this Wednesday, because I spoke to an actor from Hamilton. Uh, not Hamilton in Canada, but Hamilton the Musical. And um, it's called Wesley Ryan. And he's recently gone viral with his cat, Odie, trying to interrupt a self-tape audition. So have a look at, at that video. Uh, Wesley was very interesting. And then I told a story with lots of show tunes in 
uh, which I very much enjoyed doing. Uh, my Facebook Lives are every Sunday and every Wednesday at 6pm whilst the UK is locked down. So do be sure to join in the fun. And of course, you don't have to be from the UK. You can watch it from anywhere in the world. And every Sunday at 1pm, I am on Glitter Beam Radio with Glitter Kids for Mama, with Mama G. And this Sunday also, I'm on at 8.45pm on Glitter Beam Radio hosting Glitter Beam's Lockdown Quiz. So do take a listen to that. I will see you all next week. Goodbye. It's story time with Mama G. Come and hear a story with me. Love who you want to be, who you are. Learn these lessons and we'll go far. It's story time. Story time. Story time with Mama G.